Welcome to Post Status Draft, the official podcast for Post Status, a website with news and information for WordPress professionals. Today, Joe and I talk about WordPress in the context of SaaS or software as a service. We dig into WordPress as a tool for SaaS within another industry, as well as WordPress-centric tools with SaaS-based business models. If you enjoy this podcast, you can get a lot more quality news and analysis from the Post Status Club multiple times per week. Check out our current club members, site partners, and join the club on our website at poststatus.com club. You'll be joining more than 600 wonderful club members, and you'll never miss important WordPress news again. Today, I'd like to feature one of our partners, WP Migrate DB Pro. WP Migrate DB Pro lets you copy your database from one site to another effortlessly. Go to deliciousbrains.com for more information about WP Migrate DB Pro and some of their other great products. Thanks to the team at Delicious Brains for being a PostStatus partner. Now here's our show. Hey everybody, I'm Brian and I'm the editor of PostStatus. And I am Joe, a co-founder and CTO of HumanMade, and welcome to the PostStatus Draft Podcast. And uh, this week we're going to be talking about WordPress and SaaS, I guess, WordPress and software as a service. WordPress as a service. WordPress as a service. So, or it, WordPress as a tool for software as a service. It's a broad. It's a broader conversation. Yeah. So generally, how would you even define a SaaS? Um. I don't know if I generally would. <laughs> um, I, I guess uh, usually something where um, you are in, like as a product creator, it's hosted on your services and you're paying access or, or selling access to other people to use it, I guess. Yeah. Does that sound broad enough? Yeah, I think so. A couple of the online definitions I'm looking at uh their only real differentiation is that they're centrally hosted somewhere. So right, right, doesn't really yeah, matter yeah. about billing or whatever, as long as it's hosted. That's true. Ooh, is, Wikipedia is, is is Twitter a SaaS? <laughs> uh, I guess so. <laughs> sorta, although that's not really what we're talking about. It's way off topic already. Yeah, generally we're sticking to tools or pieces of software that. People would pay for typically monthly, maybe a quarterly or yearly option, and they receive some sort of benefit. So WordPress.com, I guess, is this software as a service. You yeah, know, a better one sure. would be like VaultPress or Akismet. Right. That Som- somehow fits a bit better. Yeah, those are closer. I guess, to I guess uh, the software is the key. It, right. I mean, WordPress, yeah, WordPress.com is... is maybe sitting on the edge of that. Yeah, I mean, it, it is, but it's just so broad that yeah. I don't really think of it the same way. Yeah. HumanMade's done some software-as-a-service projects. Yeah, that's true. We should know more about this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, um, Happy Tables was one of the first SaaS, WordPress SaaS things I ever covered. Yeah, I think it was for a lot of people. Yeah, was, what, 2012 when y'all launched? Oof. Could be. Pretty sure that's right. <laughs> you can trust um, me. Yeah, yeah. So if anybody doesn't know, that was um, a restaurant um, websites predominantly, where they would create their website using the Habitables tool, and we, it would all be hosted with us and everything. So there wasn't any, um, you know, it, it's not like a theme that you downloaded or something like that. It was uh, we we were hosting everything, and you couldn't write your own PHP or whatever. So it was it was geared towards uh, restaurant owners, really. Yeah, and yours was. Um, significantly altered from WordPress. So like the admin interface was pretty much completely custom. 
um, yeah, yeah interface yeah, for we menus went, and the whole um, Yeah, we went pretty far. Like this was a incidentally using WordPress kind of type product rather than um, I think there there was maybe restaurant engine that was around at the time was maybe more um, like they they were clearly using WordPress and I I have a feeling that maybe that was like a plus point for them but for us it wasn't it was just uh you know totally hidden under the hood kind of yeah, thing yeah restaurant engine offered the same basic service but it was definitely saying like hey this is wordpress mm. we're just handling the details for you yeah yeah which um you know is uh but i think both are valid approaches yeah so one of the things in the wordpress ecosystem has always kind of been that themes are a really low barrier to entry. And I've always thought there would be more people that were doing themes or whatever and might move into niche services, hosted services mm. like Happy Tables. Yeah. Um, and there are some interesting ones that I've seen, but not a lot. Uh, is there a reason, do you think, that there's not more of those types of services? Yeah, I'm not sure. It seems to be something generally people are interested in. Like if you um, think, you know, I, I've always thought the WooCommerce stuff, and, and maybe we'll get onto that, but like people that are selling a lot of uh, WooCommerce themes and, and that kind of stuff, like it seems quite natural to maybe want to go in a direction of, of um, hosting these things yourself and, and um, you know, uh, charging monthly for it or whatever. And I always get the impression people like the sound of it. It's just a less, maybe it is a higher barrier to entry to do that like there's a gonna be a good amount of system stuff involved and um it, it's a bigger product really i guess rather than just um selling themes and letting people download them and let them do whatever they want with them when you're gonna then manage the whole stack um then there's clearly more involved there so i think um i don't i don't know if it's because people just don't see it as a as a great business model or because it's the higher barrier to entry really why why uh, we don't typically see more well it's a tough business model you it's very tough yeah you you have to really dig into the niche like yeah. it's not good enough to just know wordpress because you have to know whatever your niche is so if yeah i'd i'd say it's it's more difficult in that regard because you're you're if if you're selling a theme you can tell it's somebody that will take it and adopt it to do the specifics that they that you happen to have missed or whatever. Um, typically, if you're going to start selling that as a service, then you need to have been the one to preempt all of those things for that niche or whatever. Um, so I, I think just the, the confines that it has to be when it's hosted is going to be a lot more limiting and therefore you're going to have to do a much better job of having kind of laser focus on exactly what capabilities your product has, you know? Yeah, and I guess also, I mean, you kind of need some degree of passion for the niche. Like, Noel's already always into restaurant stuff, so I think it was easier for him to do happy tables in that mm, regard. Sure. Um, but so one of the examples I use sometimes is dentist websites. Like, I think it'd be a nice business model to look into doing hosted dentist websites serve particular set of needs that dentists have but you have to be a special person to be a web developer that's really interested in mm. you in, know in the dental world yeah yeah that's true yeah i i uh, like building the technology is one thing but but um you've got to actually work out what it is that you want to build like so you need to know that um industry to 
a, a fairly good degree to to understand those things. And I mm -hmm. think that's uh, where most. Um, I, th I think that's probably where most people fall down on trying to do that is is a lack of domain knowledge. And I think the um, WordPress.com verticals that they did, which were kind of chugging niches, suffered from the same problem. Yeah, they kind of half-heartedly put up landing pages saying it was for a niche, but it didn't really dig into the needs of that niche. Right, exactly, yeah. Um, what are some of the challenges that y'all ran into in regards to like onboarding and user experience where you're catering to a much less technical audience? Yeah, like that. I think that's probably one of the, or probably the main reason why we didn't go with the WordPress admin as being the administration tool for your <laughs> website. Because the onboarding stinks. <laughs> the, yeah, well, it's not the onboarding. Oh, oh well, there, there isn't obviously much onboarding, which I think we've kind of talked about in the past, but there's also a lot of other stuff. Um, and, and you can do the work to remove a lot of that other stuff. Um, you know, just for, for example, you know, somebody lands on their blog for the first time on WordPress.com um, before the Calypso front end type stuff. Um, like that's a fairly daunting experience of 15 tabs on the left hand side with not really much cohesion. Um, so when when we um, implemented the new dashboard that, that we'd done, then it was really a drive to keep everything as simple as possible. And a part of that is when you start, then you've got um, a lot of hand-holding through the initial tasks of setting up your website before um, you're expected to drop into some complicated food menu editor or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, so like that, that's a very difficult um, problem to solve anyway, like user onboarding. And I'd say that out of the box, like WordPress just doesn't do anything there and doesn't really have the paradigms, doesn't have the... Uh, framework or whatever really for for uh, developers to build on stuff for onboarding like there's just very uh, little prior work I'd say generally and um, like I, I don't think we did a fantastic job of it anyway like I'm sure there's a lot of that we could have improved but I did definitely feel like we were starting from scratch in, in that regard whereas all the other reasons we were using WordPress is to get 80% of the way there and, and, and then do the rest of it but um, onboarding didn't really have that Y'all chose to go into restaurants, which is a large industry, but it's not necessarily an industry that's willing to pay a lot of money for stuff. Yeah, yeah. That, so, that. <laughs> what was the reasoning for that? Um, like, I, I think the reasoning for doing Happy Tales was um, uh, is is that Noel and and uh, ourselves were were already partnered on selling some restaurant themes, so it's kind of a progression from that. So, I'm not sure how much of a um, premeditated, you know, uh, objective decision. It wasn't initially decision. strategic. Right, right. It wasn't like, oh, we're going to assess 20 industries and, and which one do we think is going to be the best one to go into. Um, as with most of things, I'd say with with um, <laughs> Human Made and, and Happy Tables, probably, you know, we, we've kind of, um, you, you, you've kind of, you know, fall, fall into these things. Um, but, you know, once that... Uh, we 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 were still happy to get fully involved in in that industry to try and work out what they want or whatever. And Noel obviously uh, is quite passionate about that, and maybe that's how we got into making themes for it in the first place. But yeah, there, there are the specific obstacles there are restaurant industry is very uh, non tech savvy, generally speaking, and very very low margins as well. So very difficult to convince a restaurant to have any extra outgoings to what they already have, um, and that was. I think ultimately the most difficult thing about 
that product. Yeah. My favorite Chinese restaurant in Birmingham has the most atrocious website I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's another reason why a lot of people think that the restaurant industry is a good one to get into doing websites for because the websites are so bad. Um, but it's not that they have to be bad. They just are. They just are, yeah. And uh, But it's not a... The, the solution that restaurants are after isn't a better-looking website. So you you can't... I think a lot of people presume that you can go in with good websites and therefore wipe out all of the bad websites. But it, it just doesn't really work that way. That's not the selection pressure on whether somebody wants to change their website isn't like how nice it looks for restaurants. That's just kind of not the case. And I know that I definitely thought that at the beginning. That uh, So when you... When y'all did ask people, hey, what do you want? Was the answer just more people through the door? Yeah, that's basically cool. Like I'd, I'd say, um, like I'm, I'm um, speaking off the top of my head broadly, but um, the the restaurant industry is very driven by, you know, the the um, profit margins. Like that, that is, is really what it's all about. Like most businesses are as well. But there, there seems particularly less kind of wiggle room as it were, uh, in, in this case. Um, so we always did pretty well with, um, cause we had a free tier with free websites. Um, I'd, I'd say broadly that, um, that was pretty successful in at least improving the quality of, of website, of restaurant websites, generally with people on our free product. Um, but the, um, selling the, the value of, of, uh, the, the higher tiers for, you know, 30 bucks a month or, or whatever it was at, um, is very difficult, I think, for for that uh, industry. Yeah. So I don't intend just to talk about happy tables, but it's a good example to work from. Um, I actually put out a question on Twitter for people to send me some software as a service projects, hosted website things <laughs> that they know of. And I got some interesting ones um, kind of across the board in terms of the niches that they're in. Uh, one was for sports websites. Another one was for churches. Um, the Event Espresso folks have one called Event Smart that's for hosted events. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, kind of whatever people feel like they can they can break into. Yeah. But there's all of these industries probably have competitors that are not WordPress centric. Right. Um, if you were doing an analysis of like, hey, what should I get into? Do you even do you know where you would start today? Hmm. Um. Yeah, it's a broad question. Um. I think I I like I I'd be looking at the industry first rather than the technology. I think, like you mm. say, WordPress is like on on most of these things we're talking about. WordPress is now competing with um from on on the technology side you're you're competing not on other wordpress websites and how well they can build a wordpress website which is um typically what a lot of, of wordpress developers are doing right that's how good can you utilize wordpress than the next person um but with this kind of stuff you're not doing that because you're competing with bespoke things and, and whatever other systems so uh you you can't rely on your understanding of the technology so much so i think mm-hmm. it it would just have to be something that I was very interested in and knew quite a lot about just in terms of the industry itself. If I was like going you have an idea for the problems that the industry right, has. Right, e- e- exactly, yeah. Whereas um, 
I think with uh, a, a lot of the other work that I do, it's all about my knowledge of WordPress and how can I leverage that to make a better product or or, or better website. But um, I I kind of feel like for for this after of doing it a couple of times now, like I know that I can make a a, a pretty good product with WordPress, like technically speaking, but that's just not uh, enough at all to actually succeed. So you're better off finding something that. Uh, an industry where you see a specific need and then you can just work out the technicals later. The WordPress examples I've seen of people doing this kind of thing, they tend to come from people that were already in the industry. So mm. another example is Imagely, which is the next-gen gallery people that are building a photography project. Um, do you think that that's a necessity, like to start with the typical WordPress version of a product and then move into the hosted version or is it just convenient? I think, yeah, I think it's convenient. Like you can, you can lean on what you've already got in some regard, you know, maybe they've already got, um, a very large base to, um, advertise to or whatever, or, or to convert across and, uh, things like that. Like most of the time, you know, we do, similar things to whatever else we've got experience with. So you're, you're probably like, I'm unlikely to delve into, you know, do a, I don't know, niche for mechanics or something. That's something that I just know nothing about. I'm more likely to find a problem with something that I've personally experienced and, and then go, go into that. And if, if you've already got a product that is in a different way addressing an industry, then why not kind of, uh, you're, you're probably going to, all, all things equal, you're going to do better there with your prior experience to, to kind of go down that road. Yeah. So one of the things that intimidates me the most about a service like this would be that I feel like if I'm a customer, when I sign up, it should be a pretty automated process to be able to get to the product itself. Mm -hmm. um, in a self-hosted project, you're just providing a download and some documentation for somebody. Mm -hmm. But in a hosted project, you expect like, here's the website or whatever here's the process that you need to now go through. Here's an onboarding routine. From a WordPress perspective, that's probably the biggest thing that you don't have going for you because WordPress doesn't have a lot in terms of built-in tools to help with that. Mm -hmm. Was that a challenge for y'all doing a hosted services? Uh, not... Like it, it is in that um, you're right that, I don't know, even simple things like registration isn't something that you're getting very much help with uh, from, from WordPress from a higher level. Obviously, the underlying APIs there are for like user management and all that kind of stuff. Um, so we, we um, put quite a lot of work in there, but I guess like just from doing so much WordPress development in the past, then we already kind of knew what we were doing. And like WordPress is so uh, adaptable that I, I don't think it's kind of, um, I don't think it's a big problem uh, for, for the, that anybody should consider as long as you're happy to learn, you know, a lot more coding and, and building a lot, uh, a lot of things. Like, I, I think when you're building stuff at this level, then you're like, you're presumably above the level where you're looking for existing components to stick together. Like you're, you're presumably okay at getting your, uh, hands deep in in a lot of code when it is necessary. I'd say if 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 you're not happy doing that, then it, it's probably going to be difficult to create a very um, smooth, seamless product throughout. If if you're um, 
still kind of looking for, um, you know, plugins and, and things like that, that you can attach together to build something like this. I, I think you need to go a little bit, um, a little bit higher than that to to be able to create like the product that you're talking about. You know, where you just sign up and it's all automatic. You're dropped into your uh, in, into the product with a guiding process and all of this kind of stuff. Um, I don't think the components are there to just kind of bottle this together. There's still going to be a lot of um, uh, manual uh, custom work involved in that. Mm-hmm. I've always kind of pictured those types of steps not taking place in an admin at all, um, but being essentially a logged in but front-end u- interface. Yeah, um, that, that's kind of what I'm presuming too. Do you, does the REST API, you think, help with that? Yeah, I, I mean, it helps at a technical level for sure. Like it'll it'll give you the um, paradigm to follow. Um, and obviously if, if 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 uh, it's a question of technically how you're going to build this thing that you want to do, do this product or whatever, then definitely it's really going to help there. Um, but I, I guess I don't want to say that like now we've got the REST API, it's going to be easy to build this business because it's really not. Like it's probably going to make it 5% easier for you to make successful SaaS. <laughs> um, like it, it it's not... The, the, the REST API doesn't fundamentally unlock anything that you weren't able to do before. It's just going to make developers on your product generally more happy and you know it's going to be more um you you should probably expect to be able to move a little quicker and and things like that but um in in the grand scheme of of the business then it's not probably unlocked many new doors for you but it's just kind of basically the way that you would now build it i'd say (laughs) if if i'm a little biased yeah so one of the things that I think about when I think of like what's a good niche to get into is how would I do my initial marketing? Um, Because it seems like one of the biggest challenges of doing software as a service is how do you get this critical point of scale to where you actually Mm. have customers? Right. And to me, it seems like it'd be easier if you can pitch to fewer people that can then turn around and bring in customers for you. Mm-hmm. So like if it's a industry where there's already some bank of consultants that each have their own clients and could promote your product as one of their tools. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, that's a pretty common um, vector, I think, for, you know, uh, you, you can build the, build the platform and partner with the right people and then they can use their existing distribution channels or whatever. Um, for Happy Tables, we partnered with a few um, like reservation companies and things like that, mm-hmm. uh, and that that is like a fairly surefire way to to get a customer base. the 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 price you're typically going to get per customer is going to be vastly lower than if you were if if you manage to direct sell. But it it is very difficult um, again to direct sell. I think you know if if you're going from the business of selling to um, like website assemblers or, or what have you, it seems to be an easy market to reach and uh, and sell to, you know, one-off purchase of your theme or plugin rather than convincing somebody to sign up for a service is like a pretty big mental overhead for people. You know, once you've got that recurring direct debit happening or whatever it is, 
of, of which maybe you only have 10 others or something, then, then it's, I think for a customer, it's quite a big thing to take on signing up like that. Whereas um, digital sales or just downloading something self-hosted is, uh, there, there, there's no kind of um, cognitive weight that comes with that going forward. Yeah. Another thing I've seen when doing some research about hosted services was that a lot of customers seem to want more than just, hey, here's a website. They want essentially a miniature consultant, you know, helping them with content and SEO and strategy and kind of across the board, how can I have a successful online presence within this niche? Is that something that y'all experience from restaurants? Yeah, and that's ultimately, like, one thing I haven't really mentioned yet is that Habitable is, is essentially not doing restaurant websites anymore and is somewhat pivoted into really what you're talking about there. Um, so Breaking news. <laughs> I'm not sure how breaking it is or, or, or not at this point. But, <laughs> yeah, it's live on the website. Right, right. So, um, yeah, you're, you're right. They're just providing, um, like in this case, you've got a fairly uh, non-tech savvy audience, um, providing them with a website and the technical ability to to build that website is um, is providing them with a feature rather than a solution, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of restaurants don't really see the value in having a website um, and maybe the ones that, that do, then it, it's still difficult to actually find you just as this online tool or, or whatever and to understand the differences between your product and other people's. Uh, so really the, um, I'd say, kind of uh, new incarnation of what Happy Tables is is a lot more on the um, kind of manual side of things, I guess. So, yes, somebody will technically sign up, but um, will uh, so. I, I, I guess to just explain briefly what that product is. It's basically uh, taking yeah. um, a lot of the uh, data from existing platforms that restaurants have and collecting it all together and aggregating and providing insights across all of that data to provide recommendations of things they should do based off of correlations of, I don't know, POS data with uh, with Yelp reviews or, or whatever it might be. Um, what do you mean by recommendations of what they should do? So... Um, at, at the most basic, you know, at the, I don't know, crazy level, it would be like you, I don't know, sold hamburgers last Thursday because it was sunny. So it's going to be the same. This, so you should do the same thing <laughs> or something. Um, that's like awesome. that, that, that's, a, that's a fairly contrived example. But, but um, basically taking it above the level of um, if you're somebody that has Google Analytics, for example, you've got all of this data and you've really got to fish through it all and kind of work out what is going on. But if you compare that to something like, um, webmaster tools for people, which is still often taking in the, a lot of that same data, but is able to produce a lot more actual, um, here's what you should do. We've noticed this problem here or, or those kind of things. Um, so that's kind of where we see happy tables being is, is that one level of abstraction above all of the data. Um, so people don't have to be a data scientist to understand it. Um, so that, that's kind of the idea of the product. But along with that is um, a, a very strong uh, realization, I think, from us that it's not um, it's not just like a technology tool. It's like we're going to have, um, you know, door to door, as it were, uh, you know, people going around giving demonstrations. There's a uh, I think just a couple of days ago, then we installed the first um, like 
display in somebody's restaurant that shows the this the new Happy Tables dashboard with these uh, aggregations and insights on and things like that. So it's a much more yeah, and it's in the restaurant, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, so so it's a much more manual, hands-on approach to trying to help the restaurant out with technology rather than just putting a feature out there on the internet and hoping that you know that somehow works. Which I th- I think in in retrospect we were, we were a little naive there, just in thinking that. Um, so many restaurants would naturally understand that they wanted a website and why they wanted it and things like that and were able to be able to see that our product was superior in several ways than even other ones that they may have found. Um, so so we'll, like, I think right now we've, we're still in quite early stages with this, um, you know, the, the first iteration has just gone out, but it's, it could potentially never be a product that somebody just signs up for is dropped into is sent through an automated process of onboarding it could well be always a give us a call and let us chat to you and see what systems you're exist you're you're already using and if we can help out and that kind of approach um and i like it's a little more old school businessy but i think that um coming from online and and always selling stuff typically before to a technical audience then you kind of want to approach this new space and revolutionize it and like have a sign up for your website here and it's five clicks and it's super easy to do. But the reality is the rest of the world isn't quite at that uh, point yet where they're just happy to jump on, fill out a form and be dropped into their product, kind of like you were saying how you would like it to be. I don't think that everybody is ready for that because everybody isn't quite as technical as us. Mm-hmm. So it's no, <laughs> it's no guarantee that just saying, "Hey, I'm going to make this a hosted service," is just going to be hugely successful. But I think we can agree that there's some opportunity there, and that WordPress can help. definitely, yeah. I, th- I think for the portion that WordPress can cover, which is the technical stuff, um, and you know, really helping you along there, I think is a great, um, great starting point. Um, WordPress Molly site, I think, lends itself to a lot of SaaS stuff really quite well. Um, but I guess my um, word of caution is just the, um, it, it's not all about the product that you create in a technical sense. I think there's just a lot more than that, which is an area which I'm not as comfortable in. Um, so, yeah. you know, it's, uh, that, that was definitely a big kind of learning point for me. Marketing and uh, yeah, exactly. Business, new business generation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I actually like that stuff, but I know a lot of developers don't. Right. So I want to transition into some uh, software as a service stuff, where it's more tools specifically for WordPress. I think we're seeing more of this. Before we get to that, though, remember season two, we're doing a shout out to some of our uh, PostSAS partners. So today, we got? That, that shout out is to WP Migrate DB Pro, uh, Delicious Brains product, and it allows you to copy your database from one WordPress install to another with one click. Um, you can go into your local WordPress website and sync it from your remote. Do all sorts of cool stuff with it. Uh, Delicious Brains has a lot of interesting tools, and one thing that I think people should take a look at is this thing they're working on. It's one of their most requested features for WordPress database merging. Oof, um, that sounds difficult. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's what they said. Um, and they didn't want to go too deep on into it until they knew they had time to invest. Mm. So they're working on 
this now and they have a little landing page up at datahawk.io. So if people are interested in WordPress database merging, that's where you would want to go. But basically that would allow for essentially tracking the changes you've made from the live version of the website and then merge those changes back in. Interesting. So, pretty crazy. If the, if uh, they uh, there's, for for anybody that hasn't been to Link yet, it, there is no product demo, unfortunately. Yeah, <laughs> but um, it's not quite to that point. If if they can crack that, then that will be very impressive because uh, that yeah, it's a very difficult thing to do. And I think one of the kind of last remaining tricky ops things with WordPress is this random yeah. database changes that you have is very difficult to then reason about later. Yeah, and that might be a good opportunity for them, honestly, for a uh, software as a service. Mm, yeah. Um, so yeah, check out WP Migrate DB Pro. You can go to deliciousbrains.com uh, for kind of an overall view of their products. So yeah, thanks for That's cool. them being a partner. So what are some WordPress tools, software as a service? What comes to mind for you? Um the 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 ones that come to mind for me are like the WordPress management tools, like um, uh, Manage WP. Manage WP. Obviously, we have WP Remote. Um, I think Sync. Yeah, the, uh, I was trying to remember that the other day, and I I couldn't couldn't remember uh, Sync. Yeah, and I guess also um, WordPress dot com, right? To some degree, yeah. I think for connecting. Jetpack. It, yeah, jet, Jetpack connecting it to your WordPress or org sites. Um, Volpress, like all, like th- those are all some somewhat similar, um, and that's very, I guess that that is a very direct WordPress tool. Like I, I don't know if it gets more um, direct than that. In that it's for managing lots of WordPress sites, typically. Um, it seems like the ones that are best uh, positioned to do something like that is where the majority of the processing can or should be held offsite. Um, so, yes. So, like, you might not want to do some really performance-heavy processes on like a cheap shared hosting. Um, you so yeah, like yeah. a backup plugin right manages that stuff from their own servers. Yeah, and I guess in a similar way, something like Photon, which is really, I, I guess, software service like uh, those offloaded imaging resizing mm-hmm. services and things in in a similar way, um, where where you can. Um, help out, yeah, the little server just running the website and offload that stuff elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, or I guess you could have like a mail service as well, offload email. Yep. From yeah, yeah, that's um, that's a pretty common thing to do because sending email, obviously, from shared services is, is almost guaranteed to go uh, to spam. <laughs> fail. Yeah, or or just outright fail. Um, yeah, so there's, there's a lot of products around that, I guess. For ones I'm trying to think that are specifically WordPress, I don't know how many or, or if um, if we did get any linked in that regard. Um, I guess, so Manage WP, I think, is built on WordPress. Do you know? Is it? Um, I don't think it is. Okay, scrap that. Uh, but they a lot of these products integrate, obviously. Hmm. With WordPress, um, yeah, somebody sent us one called Mail Builder, and then another one, Mail Poet. Oh, yeah, they that, that, that a... one we uh, we know, do we? I've, I've, <laughs> I've yeah, heard, it's a I've French heard company. That. That's right. 
What I'm curious of is if they have a true service version of it. I think they do. Ooh, mm -hmm. yeah. I'm, I'm only, I'm, I'm only going to be incorrect if I speculate on this. Yeah, it looks like this one's fully self-hosted, and so far as I, I know, just, yeah, it is, it is a very um, like if you were to say the Mailchimp plugin, that is essentially just connecting your Mailchimp account to your WordPress site. But I think this is more like actual management and composition from your WordPress dashboard. Yeah, in my opinion, some of the mail services could integrate better with WordPress. Um, yeah, yeah. Also, now seem pretty generic that you can happen to use with WordPress and just replace WP Mail, basically. Yeah, I'd I'd say that um, I'd probably agree with that with most integration plugins across the board. I think they could usually go a lot further, but obviously they've got a lot of platforms to uh, integrate with, so I presume that's why they just go with that. Don't go that deep. Mm -hmm. Um. One that I think is interesting is Opt-in Monster. Um, they started self-hosted. This is a lead generation plugin. Mm -hmm. um, they started self-hosted and then they kind of backed it out to where they're doing all the work on their side. And then it just takes a simple integration with like a lot of JavaScript or something to put it on the actual site. And that opened it up to where they could do um, updates from their own service so they don't have to deal with some of the typical WordPress update issues. And they could also do monthly and some of that. So those are some of the interesting benefits that you get from a hosted service. Have you thought about those before? Yeah, as, as in you get to... Um... I, yeah. I, 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 I guess you get to integrate with any platform much uh -oh. easier. Joe, Joe, how am I lost? Ah, you're back. You know what I've just realized? What? So um, I was just browsing OptiMonster, and a little um, a little advert popped up in the right hand corner, which is like TWC Wi-Fi <laughs> something or other. And it's because I'm on some insecure TWC Wi-Fi network rather than my home Wi-Fi, so it's injecting oh. ads into my uh, page as they do. That's so that, not that's, a very good Wi-Fi network to be on. <laughs> it's probably why my connection is always just gone sketchy. Yeah, that's okay. It was short enough. My yelling will be perfectly entertaining <laughs> for that. The, well, the funny thing is the audio will be there on my side due to how we're recording this. So, Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll battle on. Yeah, I, I have confidence. Our listeners didn't abandon us that easily. Um. So what do you think about the WordPress tool as a service concept? Do you like it? Yeah, I quite like it. It's, it seems like um, it seems like it's something that you can keep small and simple, and I like small and simple things. Um, so if, if there is a kind of, I think there needs to be a requirement of the specific product or feature for it to be hosted. I don't really like artificially uh, making a SaaS model when it's maybe not required. I think mm -hmm. that, that ticks me off a bit. I think most people probably don't appreciate that. But yeah, if, if it is something like we were talking about before with um, offloading heavy processing or something like that, you know, where, or, or mail is a really good example of that, which I, I'd say is like, though mail is quite difficult to do correct and all of that, it's quite a simple product in itself. And that's that's the kind of stuff I lean towards really is like everybody, I, I want... Uh, small simple product that makes lots of money and that is uh <laughs> and I, so so i think like 
if your idea is like really big in terms of, and I, I think our taking on the restaurant industry websites one maybe was a, a, a very big idea, um, then there's just going to be a lot more inertia accrued from from kind of trying to solve that. Um, so I, you know, simpler is better. I think for me. Mm. And tool tooling is good for that because I think um, if if your target audience is people that are running WordPress websites then they're going to be savvy enough to use, you know, a bunch of different um, components and understand where which ones fit in. So you can make yours maybe a bit more um, uh, focused in that regard. You mentioned about the the work happening on the hosted portion. That's why I've always thought of Kismet's pretty cool. Yeah, because that's a great example. Kismet, yeah, Kismet's learning on the WordPress.com side. Or so we have. So yeah, it's supposed <laughs> to learn on the wordpress.com side and it's sending what it learns back to the comment processing side on and on the WordPress part. I think that's a really smart product. Yeah, like that's the um, you know, the more people use it the more any, everybody benefits. Mhm. Um yeah, yeah, it's a great product, definitely. What would you think about like an analytics product being something like that? Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Like Stream was an example. They well, it was more logging than analytics, but you know, you get analytics from it. Mm-hmm. Like, get an analysis of who's doing what on your website. Right, but is the um, is the idea that they would uh, include other websites? I guess with that. Uh. Or 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 is that just limited to to whatever? Uh, well, I think Stream was limited to your website. But they had a period where it was a hosted product. Yeah, and I don't know if they was, ever. If, I don't know if they ever leaned on doing any cross. I'm, I'm just thinking in terms of you know, Akismet is good in that it has the network effect of other people being on it helps you out. Um, so I just and um, Google Analytics doesn't do this, but imagine if Google Analytics allowed you to compare everything to I don't know your industry and stuff like that. Where so everybody mm. everybody using Google Analytics would kind of benefit other people because they'd be able to get uh you know make, make comparisons or whatever to that but as far as i know stream never went in that direction yeah i don't think they did but they were just essentially logging it to an alternative service and charging you a couple bucks a month yeah because keeping that in my sql wasn't great stream one was a funny one because i remember when they came out with the version one which put it on your database and um you know i did i, did, I think we had a client in their database had grown to several gigabytes of stream login attempts or something so there was clearly problems with trying to store everything locally and i remember chatting to the to the people that, that made it then um and it seemed like a hosted service would be to make total sense you know for um, I was specifically thinking for like, enterprise clients that we had and uh, things like that where they would want it stored off-site or whatever and, and separate to to that um, to, to their WordPress in database so they could use it for forensic purposes or whatever if the website got hosed or and that kind of stuff. Um, but for I mean though you know we're, we're probably not the best person to speculate but but um, I don't think it kind of panned out as good as it could have with that hosted service for them. Um, yeah, I think it had potential, but for whatever reason, for them, it didn't work. Yeah, yeah. There's um, probably conversation for another day, but I'd definitely be interested in just hearing about that and 
kind of what went right or wrong as, as to why like a hosted model didn't work. So from what I understand, stream version three is now reverted back to a plugin that um, stores all the data locally. And, uh, yeah, have you. that's what I heard as well. So I'd like to wrap things up by talking about WordPress competition that's hosted. Um, well, actually, we missed one that's pretty interesting because it's already doing pretty well and it's built on WordPress. But like a plugin, a uh, product like Rainmaker, so that's a uh, just a hosted website thing. But they really specialize in like membership sites and podcast sites, stuff like that. But this is by Copyblogger slash Studio Press, whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with that Rainmaker? Um, I've never used it. But, um, oh, oh, well, I'm, I'm looking at the page now, so I guess I'm as familiar as that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's Rainmaker platform. It looks interesting. Um, I think this is the most catered service I've seen that's pretty clearly WordPress. I don't know that they really say it's WordPress, but, you know, they don't hide it. Um, right, okay. But it kind of goes the extra mile, but it's generic. You know, like mm. you could put this up against lots of hosted services that are non-WordPress, and so is it, would, would this be really like a Squarespace competitor or something? Uh, almost, yeah. I mean, I think they bring—I don't know exactly what their features are, but you know, they bring uh, a few other things, like some. Okay, yeah, it does seem to be geared to sell digital products, smarter ways, and yeah. memberships, and okay. Yeah. memberships and landing pages and right marketing stuff um so it's kind of like a juiced up squarespace mm-hmm. but that one's an interesting one because they've gone for farther than wordpress.com in terms of creating a, a really custom experience so yeah that w- one a shout like out. wordpress.com is i wouldn't really call wordpress.com a website builder um yeah. After like recently, I've I've done a couple of websites through it just with friends, um, and I, it it's still really a like it is a blogging platform. Um, mm-hmm. And though I often just don't associate WordPress that strongly with blogging anymore, um, WordPress.com is still still in that. I think. Yeah, I don't think they'd want us to say that. No, oh no, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> I sure. I think they would like to say <laughs> that they can square up against. Well, Squarespace. Mm. <laughs> I didn't mean to say Square. Um, but they could compete with Squarespace. And Squarespace and I don't even know what what are they all called? Wix? Yeah, I'm... All th- those kinds of things. I just I just don't think that it is. Um, yeah. yeah. You don't really think it's in the same ballgame? <laughs> no, no. I mean, it, it may be trying to be, or, or uh, maybe they do see the product that way. Um, I'm, just, I'm just saying my experience of, of using them then... Um, I, I, I don't think that uh, you can actually, quote, build your website with WordPress.com. I think you fill it in. You fill it in. Yeah. <laughs> if, you see, if, if you see what I mean, like you, you fill in the boxes, as it were. You, you have... Uh, yeah. yeah, so when I go to like a logged out view of WordPress.com, it says best place for your personal blog or business site. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, it's not quite as catered towards like the everything website. Right. Versus Squarespace is like 
this is for photographers, bloggers, artists, restaurants, musicians, weddings. Yeah, exactly. Like and like it, it sounds to me like that headline to me places WordPress.com with about where I think that it is. So I, I, I don't know how much we would disagree if, if we had something from WordPress.com here. Yeah. Hmm. So, you know, services like Squarespace, they are hosted. Um, and they advertise themselves on every podcast except ours <laughs> <laughs> as the easiest way to create a website. Mm. Do you think that... Have you ever used it? Oh, maybe I've logged into one once. Mm. I've never signed up myself. Have you? Uh, yes. What do you think? It's actually not that easy. I thought it was easier. Just based off of all the marketing, I thought it, I thought <laughs> it was going to be really easy. Um, it's, it's a, it's a fairly impressive product, but it definitely isn't easy. Like I would not, um, I, I wouldn't, uh, feel confident letting somebody that wasn't that technical just go on it and see what, really? you know. The last time I saw a demo of it, it felt a little bit like the WordPress customizer. Yeah. It's kind of like that, but on steroids, I guess. Really? Like there, there's there's so much you can do in Squarespace. I think that's why it's not that simple is because, uh, I mean, this is the difficult thing, obviously, with making websites. Like either you can make it really easy and limited or you can make you, it makes you do anything, but it's complicated. Like I, I do feel like uh, at least nobody yet has kind of cracked turning both of those things up. Um, you're, you're always giving one for the other. So in, you know, Squarespace, you can do e-commerce and memberships and all this kind of stuff. Um but with that comes a lot of complexity as well. So, uh, I, you know, so take that Squarespace. <laughs> I think, I think they're doing a great job, obviously, like must be, I don't know, based, based off of advertising that I see, they must be, um, spending all their money on advertising. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Either like running into some serious debt, hoping that they're <laughs> going to come back up or they're doing really well. I think they're doing pretty well. Like, a lot of people that I bump into do have a Squarespace website, um, so I, I think they are doing a really good job of it. Um, but uh, I, I still think that it's a, a complex product to use. I think I remember writing in 2014 or 2015 that Squarespace budgeted $40 million for marketing. Yeah. Ten, of, ten, ten of that probably went on the Super Bowl ad. <laughs> yeah. That's what Jeff Bridges. Was it? Um, yeah, I think it was a Jeff Bridges uh, ad. Okay. So... Do you think that WordPress could or like be used as a tool to build something awesome that goes toe to toe with a tool like Squarespace? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Like, but not as WordPress as you know it. Um, in a, like the 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 way that I see WordPress from a technical side is just a bunch of helper stuff that you can build anything with, um, and I like so so it's it might be unfair to say yes or no based off of how much of WordPress are you going to use and can you really claim that it is still WordPress at the end of the day? Um, Nomad base, I say that it is WordPress, but all of the location stuff, all of the map stuff, all of that stuff is not WordPress. Like it's not using WordPress existing paradigms or components or custom posts. What are you using like that. WordPress for within Nomadbase? Really, we're using it for the user system. Pretty much, 
and a database, very thin layer of database abstraction. Um, mm-hmm. That's really, but you know, we also have a blog on Nomad Basin. It's quite nice that uh, users that have Nomad Basin profile we can promote to authors, and then they can write on the blog and things like that. So, like, I, I still um, think that it's very valuable in that position, but I'm not sure whether you know. Let's say you're talking to somebody that's making technology decisions, but isn't going to be coding themselves. Can I really say WordPress is a great platform? Look what we built with it, and show them Nomad Base because from you know, you you uh, fundamentally the lines of PHP. There, there, there's no difference between WordPress and any other product. So, if somebody is wanting to know, is that built with WordPress? Are they really saying, is it easy to use WordPress to build that with what it gives you out of the box? And I'd probably say no, because it, it's not giving as much in in that regard. Um, but I I think that if you are weighing it up versus shall I start coding something from scratch or use Symfony Framework or Laravel to build a web, you know, uh, this product. Um, I think WordPress is just as good at at providing that need and, you know, potentially better. It's a vague answer, I know, but... uh. (laughs) I like the Nomad Base blog. So they're potential software as a service, Nomad Base. Y'all aren't monetizing it right now, are you? We're not, no, and I don't think we'll ever monetize users for it. Mm. Um, yeah, but but we've definitely, you know, there's been things like... Uh, partnerships. Partnerships, and like if you could like have Teams, and then maybe you can like have Slack integration with your Teams. Or like, there's like a lot of uh, these software service type ideas or whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, it's... I've, we, we've got um, millions of ideas and uh, little time to actually do any of them on that product, so... <laughs> That's the common problem. Yeah. So what have we missed? <laughs> oh, I have a question. Shoot. I've been thinking recently about an onboarding API for WordPress. Do you think that's a good idea? And do you have any ideas of what that might look like? I do think that could be a cool idea. I think... Um... I'm tempted to take that question on on face value in terms of just, you know, a way to onboard people onto new features that you add into the WordPress admin or something, um, which I think would be cool. I think for the stuff we're talking about now is potentially always going to be much more bespoke than maybe what something like that is going to be able to help with. Um, But I think WordPress is generally lacking in that. In terms of uh, making the WordPress install experience and then onboarding experience yes i think there can be um there there should be a, a lot more onboarding and that onboarding should be built in such a way that it is extensible therefore being some kind of framework or api mm-hmm. um but i see that as a way for maybe like plugin developers to also write onboarding for their plugin or, or something like that um rather than some low level generic framework for generating onboarding in a very abstract sense i think like um i i I would say uh i I wouldn't want to go that broad a little bit like the fields api um in that the fields api i think is too broad and that is that that really makes it quite difficult to ever get anywhere then whereas if we take onboarding as specifically solving the problem of landing on your dashboard and you know, just user experience right, from the dashboard. Exactly. Like, even if it's as simple, like we right now we have the pop out things. Welcome widget. 
Right, is the working widget, and then there's the... Are, are the pop-out things part of Core, where it's like points to an area on the menu, or is that a Yoast thing? Because I only ever see them in Yoast <laughs> plugin. <laughs> no, it's a Core thing. That's a Core thing, right. So, Yoast just really likes them. <laughs> right, right. To be honest, my experience of those is people just always click close and never read them. Um, but I think... I can't even remember what those are called. It is actually a micro API in WordPress. Right, exactly. So I think that's the right direction. I think there just needs to be a lot more... Um, UX around actually exploring what those um, what what exact problem it's solving, rather than a how do I point to something? Then there probably needs to be a little more more work around that. But but again, like you you still got to keep it somewhat focused to actually be able to produce something for releasing WordPress at the end of the day. So I think the pointers or whatever they're called that that are in there now are, are a good first step. Um, I think they are definitely called go for the pointers API. Is that it? Yeah. So I think it's safe to say both of us would love to hear about other uh, SaaS businesses out there that utilize WordPress. Um, yeah, definitely. I, whether I, it's a I, fully I, hosted I, service or yeah, because I, I feel like my view is very narrow of what this space is because um, you know. I, I didn't do uh, do hours of um, research for, for this podcast, maybe. Um, but, but just broadly speaking, I feel like it could go a lot bigger than what we've talked about. Um, but I, I don't know whether um, we're just missing that or it, it ha- the, that kind of market hasn't matured enough yet or, or the ideas haven't been experimented with enough yet to, to um, use WordPress in a much broader way with SaaS. Part of me just assumes there's people out there using WordPress for a lot of the infrastructure for SaaS, but they're not at all involved in the WordPress world and would never point to it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like somebody probably sells an infrastructure or an intranet product or something. Yeah, And it's probably all WordPress multi-site. Yeah, yeah, I've I've, I've no doubt. Yeah, but they're just not really talking about it. Yeah, I mean, we have some bizarre internal products that, could potentially <laughs> fall into this category. But yeah, uh, yeah again, they just never, never see the light of day. Yeah. You should talk about them. Yeah. I want to hear <laughs> the details. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that'll do it for today. We're just under an hour, so that's shocking. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think I've discovered why uh, why they go longer there. Because... I, I think it's mainly the uh, speed of, of my voice that is slowing it down. So I need to speed up. Yeah, last week's was so long that I encouraged people to listen to it at 1.5. And we got a lot of crap about that. Like, well, why don't you just speed up mm. ahead of time? But I don't know. I feel like most podcast players now have a yeah, speed up option. Yeah, that's true. It's, uh, it's more that maybe we could released it 1.5 times sped up but not tell anybody so they think that we're just <laughs> speaking <laughs> quite <talkers>. quickly. <laughs> exactly. Um, if we just pre-do it, yeah, you're right. There's not much point. But uh, I think our slowness is part of our charm. I like it. It's a feature. <laughs> <laughs> not a bug. Spin it as a positive. <laughs> yeah. All right. So people can find you at? At Joe underscore Hoyle. And if you found team. out where your website's hosted since last week? Um you know what? I I, cause I listened to the last podcast back, and um, I <laughs> you forgot. I, I I forgot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so here's my. I mean, this this will have to be a returning feature. But um, after talking last week, so I think 
So I'm pretty sure that it was on DreamHost, but the IP range is Amazon. So I'm wondering whether DreamHost are actually using Amazon servers, but then I'm pretty sure DreamHost sold me a dedicated server. So I'm not sure how that's possible given that Amazon doesn't have de- uh, um or generally <laughs> anyway, is, is virtualized. So uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'll follow up on that one. And we'll We're going to have to talk to Shredder. <laughs> yeah, we might have to get him on to cuisine. After 4-5, is that? Grill him. Maybe we'll do a 4-5 episode. Yeah, we should. We should bring him on. Um, we, had, we had Scott, so. Yeah, it's almost a tradition. Yeah, no, one, I mean, two, <laughs> two is a uh, precedent, right? Yeah. And you can follow me at Krogsgard, and you should go to postsass.com slash club and join. What was the uh, score with your, I saw you tweeted something about your SEO. Somebody like, Oh yeah, somebody it's like, it's was like a Google page with like loads of yeah. post status links. Explain that to me briefly. Um, we're gonna break our hour. Oh no! But it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I'll do it. It's gonna be like an hour and one minute. Um, basically, I had a SEO gut punch that never has recovered, and I had no idea what it was about. And I had some friends look at it. Didn't really see it. Finally, I decided, this is over a year ago, I was looking at some backlinks, like so people that link to my website from other websites. Okay. This is one of the top two Google indicators, I think, mm-hmm. like who links to your site. And if those links are crap, like they're coming from bad websites, it could be looked at like you're gaming Google or you bought links or something like that. Oh, so, so somebody could potentially actually maliciously buy links to my website in order to penalize me. <laughs> and wow. there's evidence that that occurred. Um, so I found wow. 10 or 15 domains mm-hmm. that were pointing to my website, all with like fewer than 50 links. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like the top linking websites to my site and super obvious. right? Um, but when I dug into them, it looked like they were links that were coming from malware infected portions of other people's websites. Oh. So that was not cool. So this could be a kind of thing, I don't know, I'm I'm imagining some black market thing where you can just send them a website and they will distribute that through their malware onto yeah. these sites to negatively affect the SEO, perhaps. Yeah, like you go to malwarellol.com right. and you pay them five bucks yeah. and then they put crappy links towards some website right. if you're choosing. Sounds sounds scary. Yeah. Well, it's pretty frustrating. Google's been curb stomping me for like a, over a year. So uh, uh, everybody should go visit post status and sign up so uh, Brian feels better. Yeah, <laughs> make me feel better. Um, so anyway, I figured out how to disavow backlinks. So I disavowed like 15 domains. There's probably okay. more than that that I would need to do research on. And... Apparently, it doesn't work as well if it's an old domain or like if it's a huge website. Mm-hmm. Like, so if this was the New York Times, they have enough sites that are linking to them that are high quality and it's an old enough website right, okay. that somebody might have to spend a lot of money to saturate the domain with bad links. So you're saying if any listeners have a website that's legitimate, they should link to yours? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, link to post status and you know, put some great anchor text on there. <laughs> As long as you have an authoritative website. We may have just broke the Google guidelines by asking people to do that. No. no, (laughs) It's a favor. You're just starting a link share pool. 
<laughs> Put me on your blog roll. <laughs> All right. All right. I've sufficiently taken us over the hour mark now. So, uh... No, it's okay. That story needed to be told. <laughs> All, All right. right. We'll see you all next week. Thank you.